0: Free NBA Podcast. We are here recording this on a Wednesday night. Probably coming out sometime over the weekend. We still have our our last one we still gotta put up. Let's get this set up here. <laughs> and we're off. It's another shoot around. We're starting things off with basketball-related stuff. We're closing on the end of the regular season. We're gonna do some more of the see you later kind of stuff. Last time we did. See you later to like playoff team, likely playoff team stuff that we're done talking about the Clippers, the Warriors, the Cavs. We just want to see them playing in the playoffs. Um, you know, like people still talking about, like the Cavs haven't been that great on defense since the break. Like the playoffs start, they know that that needs to be addressed. But we're going to go down to the bottom and say goodbye first to the Brooklyn Nets. Or see you next season. Not goodbye. Yeah. See you next season, Brooklyn. I'll kick it to general thoughts on how their season's going. I'll pick a bright spot of the few that are there. Wherever you wanna go. Uh,
1: I, the the Nets are. They've been in a very interesting situation for the past couple seasons because, of the the trade they made with Boston to get. KG and Paul Pierce that really didn't turn into anything for them they thought they'd be contending and they they barely made the playoffs and were old and they look tired and now these last couple of years they've had a pretty terrible team and they haven't really been able to uh, profit off of it because they haven't had their picks so it's most teams you can at least see like a light at the end of the tunnel because you're losing a bunch of games but at least you're like you might get like a top five pick and then you might get a player that can really help your team. But instead they've just been losing and then having to go into the off season and kind of round up players from free agency and random trades. And like, it's hard to do that in any sport and especially the NBA to get a bunch of guys. So it's been, yeah, like I said, it's been a rough couple of years. Um, One thing I will say is because they don't have an incentive to lose like the other bottom tier teams, they do come out and they play tough and they have a superstar in Brook Lopez and we were talking about how the Hawks would have like a tough road with a couple games and Brooklyn was one of those games because Brooklyn's not just going to roll over they don't care if they win or lose they want their guys want to win and like try their best and get their stats up and stuff so it's not like a Lakers situation where they're benching players like this team comes out and compete and it's just unfortunate they haven't been able to get the guys or the picks or anything really for the past couple of years, and like starting next year they'll actually be able to take steps in the, the like right direction, you know. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. Well, and then it's also, I mean, on the bright side, they have they have Sean Marks as GM. They have Kenny Atkinson as the head coach, a guy who's like just came up and he was all about player development, mm-hmm. which they need, and we're starting to see them unearth a little bit. Uh, they've done well with what they've been able to scrap up. I mean, the Thad Young trade, maybe having him around this year would have made them a few wins better. Uh, you can point to that, but that turns into a draft pick, which is now Karis LeVert. And Karis LeVert looks like a basketball player, mm-hmm. playing the two, playing the two, uh, playing the three. Was kind of billed as a guy who can do a little bit off the ball, a little bit off the ball, a little, ball with, a little with the ball. As a wing, which is a nice thing to have, and they'll let him. they let him stretch that a little bit. He's taken some threes off the bounce, not just off the catch. Um, with the roster they have right now, the question to me is, and the question they're trying, they've been trying to answer, is, is ronde Hollis Jefferson a four? Uh, he's been playing. He's been playing more with this year, and Kenny Atkinson had some some comments about it lately that that's what they're trying to find out, and and of course you know they get, he gets it. As reflected by his comments, like he has to get better as a shooter, but they like him to do a little bit of playmaking, maybe a little bit of pick, little bit of pick and roll. Uh, the looking at, looking at some advanced stats, the thing that popped out most to me of any anyone on the Nets roster was that Ronde played like sixty percent of his minutes basically as like a two guard last year. Oh. Wow. Um. But yeah, I mean the shooting has to get much better, and that alone would be a huge difference. Uh. In, in like seeing his ceiling rise but also they do need him to get a little better on defense um, like a guy us like a slasher type who can't shoot as a four like he's not he's not Andre Robertson mm-hmm. defensively and like it's weird to say that to like stack after Robertson like oh he's not he's right. not there but that's that's a thing that I was gonna talk about Robertson we talked when we talked Westbrook in a little bit here but I can do it now like uh, Brooklyn has that flexibility where they have five that can shoot Mm -hmm. but then how long is Brook going to be around he expires after next season
1: and he's always on the trading block and everything yeah
0: yeah but at this point I don't I don't think anyone's really going to need a center even though he's expiring that's just going to be jumping after him I mean Mm -hmm. OKC was talked about last year they're set at center now the Blazers are probably set. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, Charlotte was a team I thought about maybe, you know, next year. Uh, that'd be something they'd try, but they trade for Miles Plumley. So <laughs> yeah. You have Miles Plumley. Uh, and again, like making the best of this situation, like they're still they're still picking up some draft, they're scrapping up some draft picks, which means a lot. And we saw, we saw with the trade deadline, like, some of these hauls, we were like, oh, they didn't get a first or they didn't get a better first. Like, mm-hmm. Serge Ibaka, P.J. Tucker, New Orleans Noel, all those trades, a lot of people were kind of like, oh, I thought they'd get more. Mm-hmm. And the Nets, I mean, a lot of it's right place, right team, right time, but they got a first for Boyan Bogdanovic, and that's a first that they weren't going to have that they didn't have.
1: Right, they would have nothing. So.
0: Well, they – yeah, so this year – and this year, it's another – it's another great chance for them to strike, kind of strike gold in the draft. They're gonna have four picks: two in the first, two in the second. Yeah. They have the Boston swap, this Washington pick, and then two seconds. You know that's a good chance to do something because next year, next year they don't have they don't have their first Boston just get Boston, just gets it straight up. But, onto a team in the West. Do you got anything else on the Nets?
1: Uh no, I did. I like I like Rondé, and I think, he's um. I think he's fun, he's got like a little post-up game, he's a little, he's like, like you said, you want to see improvement in his defense, especially like, he's a pretty athletic guy and he kind of reminds me of a MKG on Charlotte where it's just like, he's like really athletic and he can get to the basket and then, but you just want like more, like you want, he needs to be a better defender or a better shooter or something because that way he's not like a liability at certain times and then it is easier to move him to the four or move him to the three or wherever he needs to play. And people always talk about, like, the league is moving to small ball and stuff. So depending on what Brooklyn wants to do, if he gets better in one of those two things, whether it's defense or shooting, then he becomes a better asset for his team going forward. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, MKG is maybe a more interesting one for him because he hasn't been in the – he hasn't been – in the kind of big playoff games, at least, that Robertson's been in. Um, MKG probably like him a little more, though, yeah. as an athlete. I think he has a little leg up there. But shall we get on the Lakers?
1: Yeah. The
0: Lakers, in a nutshell, they're, they've been tanking. Everyone knows the story by now. They want to keep their pick this year, which needs to fall in the top three. They do that. They also get to keep their 2019 first instead of just handing it over to, to Orlando. Mm-hmm. And they have this collection that they've built of six young guys that at least to some degree are interesting. And I think the first, question, the first question with the Lakers that they have to be answering now that they have new decision making at the top too is, which of these guys can actually play together? Right. Because at this point is clear, like none of these guys are superstars at this point. So who of them can even play together? Because they're trying to answer that with Clarkson and D'Angelo now. They flirted with it with Randall and Nance playing a little together. And then one or with one of those two, and now Zubac who's coming on to these earn some minutes. And then Brandon Ingram, just because of the position, the position, and he seems to have the highest ceiling. Yeah. Just slide him in there. But outside of Ingram, like that. Pick any two or three of those five guys. Like who, who do you would you be excited about seeing them? Like these guys can play together in a good five man lineup. Two three years from now, when they're good again.
1: Right. Um, I think I don't know. It's a little tough. They have, like you said, they have they've made a lot of smart picks and they've had a lot of good picks. Like they've had good position to get these guys, whether it's Randall or D'Angelo Russell and stuff the The issue is, yeah, they all kind of, they're all kind of like in the same vein. Whether it's Ingram and Clarkson and D'Angelo like they all kind of play the same position. So this year they've they've had they've got a lot of time to to move around some of those guys and start some at certain times and bench other guys just because they don't need they're not looking for Ws at this point. So it's a lot of experimentation to see who's gonna play. Um, I think Jordan Clarkson is a really good player, and I think that. Like he's, like he's really mature. Like if you just like see his interviews and stuff and what what he does for the league, and I think he's one of those guys that you want to build your like your team around. And I think, like you said, we I think we both agree that Ingram is like one of the most interesting guys in this team because he could be really good, especially if he just like. Gets his body in NBA shape and stuff. And he's just really young, so you don't really know where he is, but we both feel like his ceiling's really high. So I think those are two guys that could play off of each other and play really well, and they don't like step on each other's toes offensively or defensively or anything. So um, those forget,
0: are. Forget the body. Like, and Luke, like, um, this is right out of Luke Wallen's mouth when he talked when he's on uh, Bill Simmons' podcast. Like, just get better as a shooter. Yeah. Like, right. he shoot, he's, he's been really bad shooting the ball this year. And you would assume the body, at least a little bit, is going to come. Right. You don't know how much he's going to necessarily be able to pack on to that frame with how wiry he is, but, like, if he just shoots it better, like...
1: Well, it, and it could be a Kevin Durant situation where everybody's like, oh, he's so skinny, he's so skinny, and, it, like, it doesn't matter. Like, if you're a good ball player, you're a good ball player. Some guys don't need to be 230 pounds to be able to get, score baskets and stuff, you know? So I I think he has the potential, and he could. And, yeah, I maybe it's just the transition from college and NBA, but maybe, like, I think he'll become a better shooter, and he's, he's in the right situation, like, they have time, and they're gonna have a lot of good pieces around him.
0: Yeah, I don't, I, well, like, like the second question I wrote down, maybe we should have done that first, but, like, like, who's the most important player on the roster? It sounds like we're both saying Ingram.
1: Yeah, and I think, like before the season I probably would have said DeAndre Russell just because he was such a high pick and this was like the point guard of the future and stuff and I think even Magic Johnson said that at one point that like this is their guy but I think that um just he started off on such a bad foot with the organization with the whole Nick Young situation last year and now like this year he's ha- he's had really bright moments this year so like you don't we're not counting him out or anything it's just that maybe this isn't the perfect situation for him right now
0: well yeah I mean I I like him too and and I, where we're where this is headed is we I think we've, we see Jordan Clarkson a lot differently but De, with D'Angelo first his this year his minutes are his minutes are pretty comparable to his rookie year but the, his volume of three point shooting is way up he's uh-huh. 44% of his shots have been threes so far this is what this is Wednesday night coming into that Forty um, percent of those threes are catch and shoot, but thirty-two percent he's taking them off the bounce. Uh-huh. He likes those, and I think I mean I don't see Ingram ever becoming like a true engine to your offense. Maybe he's your second best guy if, like Walton said, like if if he becomes a really good shooter, mm-hmm. maybe he becomes your second best guy and they, like they like him as a passer and like he was. Like he was he was point guard a little bit this year, but D'Angelo, he's a I mean right now you can say he's a good he's a good three point shooter. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry the I misread my own stats. He's shooting forty percent on catch and shoot threes, and he's shooting thirty two percent on pull up threes. Gotcha. Off the bounds. And the thing for D'Angelo is like, is what what he's is how good is he gonna get with the in-between game with the floater with the mid-range pull-up because he's not this explosive guy who's gonna who's gonna finish at the basket and really scare a defense Yeah. if he's coming downhill and that's the one thing that's the one thing where, In- where Ingram can like you know like you're saying if he's really gonna if he's really gonna explode if he starts finishing explosively at the basket a little bit more and that's where the strength can come into play. Yeah,
1: because he's already super athletic. So if he just gets a little bit stronger maybe.
0: So then so look, with Clarkson, like at this point I don't think I don't really see much of if, it's hard for me to see a future where Clarkson and Russell are playing a lot together. Uh, Clarkson they're already paying a little bit older. Um, but Kevin O'Connor pointed this out on the ringer today. He wrote about D'Angelo playing the two uh, with Clarkson as, as the point guard right. where the real fit the real fit has to come is like at least one of them needs to become really good defensively and Magic Johnson came out and said he thinks Jordan Clarkson can be one of the best players in the league which was no doubt like a motivational ploy because uh-huh. both guys haven't, haven't been very good Yeah. so that's the that's the thing where if you get this third guard in there you know if you put if Patrick Beverly's on the Lakers and say he starts with D'Angelo Right. You know. That changes a lot of how people think about the team. And there's there's a lot of guards, not even necessarily a guy like Beverly.
1: Yeah, but it just it takes the pressure off of even Russell if there was if you had a Beverly to kinda of take that responsibility of guarding the best guard, then Russell can really take over offensively or vice versa. So yeah, I see I see what you're saying. One of those guys would have to step up.
0: And then the front the front court like, I was, I was really interested to see at the start of this year, uh, Randall and Nance playing together, and that question can't really be answered until we decide if one of those guys can shoot or not. I think, I mean, Julius Randall, he's attempted 70-some threes in his career, basically two, almost two years now, after missing that first one. Mm-hmm. So like between those two guys, is a is one of them gonna emerge as a three point shooter?
1: And I don't I don't think either of them really will. So I th- I think we know since college we've kind of known what Julius Randle is and what he can be, and like he had a lot of the comparisons of Zach Randolph and stuff, and I think he's uh, still kind of in that vein. Seems a little bit more athletic, but I think he's more of a like just more of a, like, power guy, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know if he really fits, like, the mold of a team that this Laker team wants to become, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I feel like he's a good player, and he could average 15-8, and eight, like, whatever team he was on, but I don't know if he's necessarily what you want, it's like, as your prototypical, like, forward position, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think if you're on a really winning team, that's the guy you want, and I think eventually the Lakers will have to make a decision on him.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, if you were to, I guess if you were to get in the lab, and like just design, two players for this team. What they really, I mean, if they end up keeping this top three, and they get ball or faults, right? uh, You would assume they they're gonna try it. They would do that. And then you add some more scoring punch. And then if you got in the lab to get one more guy, you need. You need Serge Ibaka, ten year, yeah, ten years yeah. younger. If you put a stretch big, that can also guard the rim. Um, that really props up Randall, because then, you know, if they if they keep this pick, they take one of those two point guards, and they turn things turn out, and then, you just find even if you just play a stretch big, just like one that can only shoot, I think. This offense would get really interesting mm-hmm. because you have you have one of those you have one of those young guards you have D'Angelo, but then you also have this motion offense where you where you have Randall and Ingram, who they like they like they like their passing ability they can do a little bit at least. And that that'd be interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a whole if they get one of these top two picks. That's a whole another wrinkle because especially. Ball and Fultz, like, those are pretty, like, can't-miss guys in a lot of people's eyes, and that's just, like, the Lakers have drafted really well, so I think that'll be... It's just a matter of, like, they have a ton of pieces, and they're all super young. They're all, like, 23 and younger, so it's just, like, weeding out who can play... Like you said, like, who can play together, who's going to mix together, who's going to make the most coherent offense, and that's going to be, like... I mean it's I think the move to get Magic Johnson in right now was really smart because now is when you start making the push to make this Laker team better. You've you've left the Kobe years behind, you've got all these picks together, you're probably about to get another one if you can stay the course. So it's just they're about to ramp up. This is like they have a really bright future, I feel like. They just have to be smart.
0: Well, but they but the thing is like they need they need a lot more. And like it they they need, a, they need more really good players yeah if you put if you just dropped Paul George onto that team today they're not they're probably not a team that's making a bunch of noise in the playoffs yeah yeah they need so
1: but I feel like everybody's so young right now and I feel like that's why
0: yeah I don't know I mean especially, I just, especially they just need a really good 2 way center which I mean I guess Jim Buss thought Timothy Mozgov was gonna be and that's I full honestly I fully expect them to be really bad again next year, and to try and to try to be bad, um, and then enter that Paul George summer, because mm-hmm. um, all this all this stuff you've piled up you don't want to give a bunch of it away bring them in and then
1: it doesn't work like, out you're
0: even, you're even further back even though you've added a good player yeah you're probably not gonna really get get too far so yeah I mean this this. Um, and this all comes back to the two to the two contracts they dished out this summer and that for, it's gonna force them to accelerate their thinking so much faster than they would have needed to yeah because next year Julius Randle's already gonna be up for an extension and then if you pay if you if they I mean they basically can't extend him if they do and they aren't able. I mean, here's here's the choice. If you extend Randall, you need to dump. You need to dump those contracts to have max cap space again right. in the future.
1: To get that big free agent like the next. So year. then,
0: what are you? Are you gonna? Are you gonna attach your? You're not gonna attach your eighteen first round pick as a sweetener to dump those guys. Right. So. I fully expect Julius Randall extension talks to just go dry. And they're just gonna have to ride that out and hope they can dump. I mean, if I'm if I'm magic, I'm I'm calling Tibbs every day, and I'm just trying to sell the whole thing to him.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And just at least, you know, at least if you send him out, you send that sixteen million out. Right. That's something, cause Mozgov. Unless they add a first, I don't think they can get rid of that. It'd me. be
1: yeah, insane to get rid of him.
0: And I expect him to think about Clarkson too. A guy making double digits. He's under control, so that could be appealing if the team likes him. I expect them to already, I mean, I expect them to, to see what's out there for him over the summer, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have to think about the future. And yeah, you're right. Like, It's weird because they do have these pieces, but they don't have like the superstar player that they're building around that they have. So they're going to be looking for that. So they kind of have to be smart with these contracts and who they keep. And yeah, that, I think that that Mozgov contract and dang too that's gonna I mean you said it when it happened like that is gonna like haunt them I feel like so hopefully they can pull it together though
0: yeah anyways we you know people hate when you beat stuff in the ground even if teams deserve it <laughs> uh, example James Harden trade <laughs> so we'll go on to our main event we're talking about Russell Westbrook and it's been, it's been a crazy media season with everything around Westbrook. There's the the talk of him being angry. The numbers are up. The usage is up. Uh, and then you even have a little going between the two teams. It's not even just about Westbrook and Durant. It's about the Thunder. It's about the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Both both teams have been a little. I've been kind of silly, been kind of sensitive about some stuff. It's just been it's just been so much. Uh we can start, I guess, with Bill Simmons who wrote a big column about Westbrook. What did you take away from that?
1: I think the reason I liked the the Simmons article was that he was it was from the perspective of like a real basketball fan and not like a journalist or a GM or anything, like it's just from a fan's perspective that like what we're seeing this year is incredible, and it's like one of the, like we're never, we might see it again, but like chances are we never see anything like this again, where a guy is just like you said, the usage rated, usage rating is like insanely high compared to like any other season of any other NBA players I've ever had before, and he's just he's literally doing everything for this team, like ninety percent of the offense goes through him, whether it's him scoring, him passing to the score, him uh, just attacking and leading to an open shot. Like everything goes through him, and it's not even like it's not even like the defense has a choice in the matter. Like it's just whether Russ is hitting shots or not, which dictates the flow of the game and whether he's going to pass more or score more. And it's just it's nice to see because. Westbrook's taken took in like a beating this year from the media. Like he's been praised a ton for all the triple doubles he's got and stuff, but he's also taken a beating because a lot of people don't like watching this kind of basketball. So it's nice to see somebody who's just generally enjoying like one of the most phenomenal NBA seasons we're ever going to see from an NBA player.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting. You said uh, that you talked about him taking a beating um, cause I was about to come in and say, cause you talked about the unprecedented usage rate. I was gonna say all this stuff in a way. It's also doing him a little bit of a favor, because you think about it. Like, go back to those 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 bad Kobe mm-hmm. Lakers teams that Kobe had to drag into the playoffs. Right. He took. He seemed to take a lot more hate in the in the moment than Westbrook is now, where Westbrook has that narrative where it's it. He may still get it. Um, I guess that kind of just, it depends, I mean, especially now, it just depends, like, who you follow online as to, ask, like, how much of that is, of, of Westbrook Hit you can see. But I don't think he gets it nearly as bad because he kind of has this, he has this in his pocket where it's much more unpopular to say, well, I don't know. Would you agree with that? Yeah. A little bit?
1: I think people, whether they know it or not, feel a little, not, they don't feel bad, but, like, you understand that he went from having a top five player on his team to now, he basically has the same roster as last year. I mean, other than Taj Gibson and McDermott now, but he basically came to the season with the same roster, except for Ibaka and Durant, two of the best players that he's ever played with, and now he's just surrounded by a bunch of guys. So I think there's a little bit of like uh, sympathy for the guy, because you're like, well, yeah, this is what he has to do to win, and I think Kobe was never likable like that. Like People didn't hate Westbrook before and now it's like you have a reason added on to not to hate him like it's a reason to like praise him whereas Kobe was kind of like he always had the ball hog stigma and even with Shaq like it was this terrible thing even though they were winning championships so yeah I think it it is it a little weird like the whole dynamic that the media has with him
0: well so and then more like more media stuff here MVP MVP talk is just... It's just a daily thing now. And it's like... I think of like that game at the fair where... Um, you're shooting the water. And then like your horses are racing. Mm-hmm. And each time you hit the target. Is it... Is, the, is it the best way to do it? Where the MVP race is almost made out to be one of those races where like... Oh, James Harden had another 40 point triple double. So he's... Yep. He's moved this far in the race. <laughs> like is that... Yeah, I I understand why it happens, but like and like the the Kawhi Leonard, you know Kawhi Leonard has MVP moment when he's when he hit a three and then he blocked Harden.
1: Right, and then um, that just like adds to the resume is, immediately. Yeah,
0: is that a good way to think about it? Where just like these big one big stat line or like a week, kind of like in our minds we're like treating it like one of those races, whereas the much more traditional way where I lean is like. You need to. You just need to get to the end and then look at the body work.
1: Yeah, and I think that's how a majority of the voters will look at it. I think people who are on TV who have to talk every day. That's how they kind. They kind. This is the year to like do it to like really pick it apart each and every like couple games. And be like, all right, this is a defining moment. James Harden, like this is a point in his direction. You know, uh, it kind of reminds me of the KD season that he won MVP and he had just. A month where he went insane and just like dominated the league and then that kind of like propelled like he kind of got to ride it out for the rest of the season like not that he wasn't playing phenomenal but it was just like that giant 35 day like madness for him but like it seems like this year for every player it's just every day is like that like if Westbrook has even tonight he has a triple-double and he goes six from six from the field and six from six from free throw and that's like an NBA record or something that like in somebody's head, like that's like another notch. That's a point to uh, Westbrook, and mm-hmm. everybody else is falling back. So it's it's it is weird. It's it's like intriguing to see how people like think and switch their opinions every day.
0: Yeah. I, so we'll I mean we'll see when the votes come out. Because I think I think the I think that that culture of how of how it's talked about on a daily basis. I think I think we're, we might see a little bit that bit of that play out, but. That's my. That's probably a lot to do with my personal bias. As yeah. As someone who's leaning LeBron.
1: Yeah, and why. I think everybody. So I, have done it too. I <laughs> said, I said where I'm leaning, so uh-huh. I'm doing it too. Yeah.
0: So we hit that, and then I get the. I guess the big question, because um, like a lot of it's like you dive into the numbers, the usage rate pops off the screen, um, and then just like the overwhelming. It's just like overwhelming to look at. The enormity of the stats he's putting up sometimes, and then the question eventually comes up with a lot of people is: Is this the best way for the Thunder to use him, or like, like, does that even not matter because some people, some people see Westbrook as like this like um, insane person all the time that just like you know the the now I do what I want that that is it like yeah. I don't know, I guess it's a two part question, is this the best way for him to use his talents and does that even matter, like is this just what he is now?
1: I think the best way to use his talents would be a Harden situation, like Harden's doing what Westbrook's doing but he's doing it to a more successful degree I feel. But the issue is Harden's team compared to Westbrook's team isn't really comparable because
0: so yeah, keep it the same, but give him. Yeah, just. Give him more forty percent three points.
1: Give shooters. yeah, give him shooters. That's, uh, like, I'm on the boat where, I think this Thunder team is like other than Westbrook is pretty terrible, and, honestly, some of the best players on the team now are Taj Gibson and McDermott, and they like just got there, so, but I just think if you if he had like legitimate shooters, around the team like it would just be a better situation like you would be able you would see the same things you're seeing with uh, Harden you would see more trust of his teammates you would see the W's racking up more you would see a more consistent like a better product to watch so I kind of feel like that's not his fault but at the same time I don't think Westbrook and Harden are the same guys like I think this is kind of what Westbrook is and I feel like Maybe even if his team was maybe if even if he had the same exact team as the Rockets roster right now, Westbrook is still out there trying to score just as much. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's a little bit like I I don't think this is the best way to handle him, and I don't think this is the best use of his talents. But I do think that he's totally fine with doing this. Like I think that he's like he I, of course he would want a better record and everything, but I think that he sees this as a good way to get wins and. Uh, like, continue his career, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it, this is such like this is such a loaded question. I don't, and I just don't think it gets treated like that enough because when you ask, like, is this the best thing for him to be doing? Like you like you have to take into account like the head coach, Billy Donovan. you have to really look hard at the roster and like how good are his teammates and like, what are their strengths? And then you like, and then the the inanswerable question, which is like, we don't know, we're not in the locker room, we're not, we don't work for the thunder of like, how much of it is like, Russ really wants to do this? Like, do, like does he really have like his mindset? Like, I'm gonna win MVP, I'm gonna prove this. Mm-hmm. Like, like, we don't really know, like the balance of that in his head. Um, but you talk you brought up the teammates, so let's go there. Because, I mean, that's another daily thing that comes up is, and it almost... In a way, it's almost gone too far, like, that his teammates are just terrible. Um, because, so we'll, we'll go, we'll talk about it, and you, you're not too high on him, as you said. Right. But, it gets brought up so much, and it's just like, it's just this, like, it's just this passing thing that it's like, so understood, like, nobody really dives in and says, like, you know, um, Steven Adams wasn't really worth that, worth that extension, because... And then lay out a case. Yeah, like, yeah. Nobody's doing that, or you know, people say they don't have shooting, but like, and yet, no one really revisits the fact that like that's the that was the one thing that probably cost them the most while Durant was still there. Is they could they could put that put one extra guy on the wing mm-hmm. to just hit shots and play passable defense.
1: Right. But the, a lot of those uh, like. But what, the, that last yeah. thing
0: probably the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Every literally every team wants more wins than yeah
1: maybe. ask the Clippers. But yeah. Uh I yeah. think just those things get uh like erased when you have Duran on your team, you know what I mean? Like those you overlook all those flaws and like you know they're there but it's not as like glaring as right now. So you take him and Abaka off the team and suddenly you're like, Oh yeah, Steven Adams isn't like very dominant on the offensive end and like Roberson is like like a a complete negative on the offensive end. So like, I like like Steven Adams and I think he's a good playoff NBA center. He's one of like the key guys that you want. If you, like he, if this Thunder team was like one game away from being in the championship and then probably could have beat Cleveland like four times out of 10 or five times out of 10, whatever, you know? So it's not like he's like the worst ever. It's just that if you, he's not for this team what they like he can't be the only thing, and like Oladipo is a good player. And Simmons actually points out that Oladipo is probably overachieving for a guy who like doesn't get the ball a ton of the time because it is going through Westbrook so much.
0: He's, Oladipo, he's shooting a, a, a hair under forty percent right on four and a half catch and shoot threes per game,
1: which is like great. Which is so I don't yeah. So I just think that. The, the problem is, like, if you take Westbrook off his team, they're not very good. And if you, I think if Westbrook scales it back, doesn't take as many shots, isn't as ball dominant, isn't whatever, I also think they're not very good. But you can't, there's no way to, like, test that theory because there's no way Westbrook was ever going to just do that for, like, a five game streak or whatever. He might, like, there might be a game where he doesn't play very well, but there was never going to be a point in the season where you, we got to see and experiment with that. But I think this was the best the way he is approached this season was the best way to go and I think this is how you maximize wins for this Thunder team.
0: And move like so moving forward, there because Oladipo and Adams, their extensions kick in next season, mm-hmm. so day one of the offseason, even with Taj coming off the books, Nick Collison up for a new deal, Robertson coming up, that's really it outside of outside of sub 1 million million guys. Yeah. There are are they're already over the cap. <laughs> There's I mean going forward 62 million plus are committed to Oladipo, Adams and Cantor.
1: Right. And, and those those are like the key guys for this team right now and I it's not enough. So it's like where do they go from here?
0: Well, and, and the real the real key question and then like and this this goes back to how valuable Ibaka is because it's not it's not just, like, how good of a player are you, like, you, like, have these goggles on where you're just looking at one guy and evaluating mm-hmm. You know, Serge Ibaka probably won't make an all-star team. Mm-hmm. So, like, some people, like, just look through that lens too much. But even if you have to pay him more, like, that guy being on the court changes changes the way you can play. Yeah.
1: He was perfect for that Thunder team, that set up. He was a guy who could spread the floor. He played defense. Uh... He didn't need the ball in a team that had two guys who were extremely ball dominant and could score, like, 70 points Although together.
0: Although that, that seemingly did become the, one of the problems.
1: The, that is that, like, he was getting demanding of the ball and stuff. But, like, when he was in his role, like, it was, like, perfect. Like, his skill set along with the fact that he had been with those guys and stuff. And that trading him for Oladipo created a problem because now you don't, it's impossible to fill that hole so basically you have to you're starting a new strategy and everything and maybe that was like led to Durant leaving and stuff so I don't know
0: well some of the hope at this point is probably that Sabonis can at least can at least do the shooting part Mm -hmm. and then maybe a little bit off the bounce or as a post player but like if Ibaka never got those chances it's not gonna happen with Sabonis right that's the one thing like
1: that's what you can't fill that hole
0: well that's the that's the one like Sam Presti um, just like talking himself up way too much is with, is with Sabonis like when they they are when all the times they've tried to sell that trade like all these extra things that you think Sabonis might do like where's like where's the real room for that mm-hmm. because it never happened with the Baca so why are you suddenly gonna do it for Sabonis yeah even if Westbrook dials it down a little bit it's not like that's suddenly gonna happen for him so the question mm-hmm. is like do you move on do you move on from Eas Cantor, I think. Yeah. Is the question that the, is staring them in the face because without that, you really you have no way. You have no way of adding impact players to your team, right. unless they just absolutely nail like a first round pick in the twenties.
1: Yeah, or they got some like crazy. It would have to be like a LeBron situation where a guy came, and didn't want any money, and he just wanted to play with Westbrook, and that would be, like, unprecedented. So yeah, I agree, and. Another issue that comes up, and Bill talks about this in the article and in his podcast, is that, like, maybe this Westbrook style, like, we don't know how NBA players really think, and maybe it's different, but, like, does anybody really want to play this style with Westbrook? And it looks like it took a toll on Durant. And so if you're a really good player, not even up to what, like, Durant's obviously up to his skill level, but if you're just a good player and you're trying to be on a team are you thinking about the Thunder and thinking like, oh, I'm going to have to watch Westbrook run around and dominate the ball for 30 minutes of the game, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I just, I think moving forward, the Thunder are going to be the absolute poster child of like not the, the top case study in like studying all these big money contracts that everyone, all, all these guys seem to think if, this, if they're simply like, I'm I'm a starting level player. Mm Give me twenty million. Mm -hmm. Because moving forward, like moving forward, even two three years out, when the cap is maybe like one fifteen, up to them by now. I mean, next year it's one o two. If you think if you think through that number, one o two, starting next year, they're spending half. They're spending half the cap on just Oladipo and Russ. Which is is crazy. (laughs) And even even as it grows, if they re sign Westbrook, yeah, they're. They're still going to be at about 50%. Yep. And so, like, it's just, it's still insane because then, like, you can't give that much to every starter because then you're spending your entire, you're spending all your money on five guys.
1: Yeah, and it it hurts the team. I don't, like, I know these guys want to get paid, but, like, it hurts your team, and you have to see that, like, if if you look around and you're looking at, if you're Westbrook and you're looking at Oladipo and you're thinking, we make half the money on this team, like, you guys aren't good enough together to be making half the money on this team, so it's, it's insane. I know they didn't have a choice, but it's insane.
0: But that's the, someone, and that's, that's like the, the ultimate thing is like, you can't, is um, no one, I don't think, I don't really think anyone really tries to like bash the players for this. Um, I don't think anyone. Some people are, are really angry about it, but like at the end of the day, someone opens up the checkbook. Here's here's more money than you deserve. Right. And you're gonna take it. <laughs> here's more money than you maybe deserve for for this job. Right. You take the money. And it's guaranteed. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, at the end of the day, like you can't, you can't be upset with the player. I mean, like teams. It like teams, just te- like teams, are allowed to say no. Yeah. It's when it's the organization's fault. When yeah. Ma, when Mozgov counters back, no, I want four years <laughs> for sixty. You're allowed to say no. Yeah, and you can go sign other players. Yeah. So that that's the thing. I just I just think the thing with this roster is like the roster isn't bad. They just really need a third guard who's really good. And then maybe something else on the wing, which yeah. maybe is McDermott. They get another full season of him to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But even just like add another guard, like we talk about this usage with Westbrook. But I mean, Oladipo maybe maybe their next biggest offensive threat. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even share the court as much as you'd like with Russ because they put him out there to prop up the second unit. Right. But and then they, <laughs> and then that's the one thing. That's the one thing that kind of hurts them is the on-off numbers of Russ get talked about a lot and just like. They just can't die with Russ off the court. You know they need to salvage those minutes, but they've been playing point guards with Oladipo. When he is in there with the second unit, they're playing point guards that just aren't good.
1: Yeah, and they when they Westbrook's out of the game, it's kind of like praying that they can keep the the point differential where it's at. You know, so it, that really hurts you when you're you like really relying on one guy. So yeah, and just a little bit more on the contract thing, it's it is like you can't expect these guys to turn down money and stuff. And if you look at it, the guys who do, they're in really stable situations, whether it was Tim Duncan or Dirk Nowitzki. Like, they're, they're guys who are in championship teams and really stable with their organization. So, like, the, even though, like, the Thunder's in this situation, it is, like, the organization's fault for kind of constructing these, these guys and making the norm to pay Mozgov $60 million. Like, it's, it's on the, the league so
0: so like so let's talk Robertson like he's he didn't get extended, but he's up at the end of the year like what's what's your number for him? will you give I'm Andre Robertson, will you give me four years sixty million
1: if i'm your starting, <laughs>
0: I'm your starting three, I'm one of the best I'm one Defensive. of the best up wings in the league,
1: right. I mean, if
0: you if you build the roster correctly, Sam Presti, you can play me <laughs> at the four more, and I don't hurt you as much. shooting threes off the backboard.
1: You, <laughs> you have to believe that your roster is tight enough to, cause he's he is a liability on offense, and I don't think that's going to change over the summer. So you have to make sure the rest of your roster is built. Like you said, the team has to be built to where that negative doesn't outweigh the positive he brings to the team, and like. I don't know if you pay him 60, but I I think he's a guy who could play well with Westbrook because he doesn't need the ball and stuff, and so he does serve a purpose on the defensive end without taking anything away from the offensive end. But you have to make sure the rest of the guys around him are good enough, and I don't think this current roster, you would keep him. I don't know. I want it. I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I mean that. I wanna like I wanna I wanna nail you down to a number, but I mean like if they move on from him, you start McDermott at the three, right? And you open up the spacing, you open up the floor, but then you know if you want to be a good team, you get into playoff series. Who's guarding Kevin Durant? Exactly. Who's guarding Kawhi Leonard? Uh, Exactly, especially in the West. That comes into play. So can I you know can I have can I have three years forty two million with a player option for a fourth?
1: Yeah, I Yeah, I think that's, right, 14, so I'm trying to think. I think that's fine. I mean, it's insane to think how big these NBA contracts are going to be now. I think you kind of have to because of what he brings, and maybe somebody comes along and offers him way more money than that. So I don't know. I I think that's a good. I think that's a fine number, just because of what he can do and what you're ultimately playing for the playoffs and to play against these tough wings who you have to have somebody to guard. So I think I'm fine with 14 million. I just think that. I think the Thunder are in a tough situation, man. I think their roster is not built. It wouldn't surprise me next year if especially if they don't get the pieces that they want that they don't like make the playoffs or they're really struggling to get the A seat or something you know so at that point is it worth it to give him the money thinking of guarding these guys you know
0: yeah I mean the, the shooting thing with Robertson is interesting like I remember a Jared Dudley podcast I think he was with Chris Vernon and he was talking about how how over one off season he really he really put his mind to it like I need to become a better three-point shooter mm-hmm. and I think I think he went to p3 is where he went but anyways the i mean the the main point of the message dudley was dudley was preaching was like you've got to take you've got to take game like shots mm-hmm. and that that that's something that really, fa- really fascinates me is like how many high level college and pro guys that need to get better need to get better from behind the arc how many of them are doing that and how many of them are taking them half speed right low intensity you know in a in an empty gym they never try you know they never you know they don't they don't practice shooting them off, off uh, on the run you know how much does that come into it that's and that's one of those things we can't we can't know right all the
1: time. so I mean you would hope with like NBA trainers and stuff they would have somebody in there telling them to do that but yeah I think I think if you're focusing on form but I don't think it's Roberson's problem then yeah it's okay to like sit there half speed but that's a good point like you need to, everything you need to be doing in practice, especially like early in your career, needs to be at kind of a game speed level, so that you're that way you're actually making improvements. And but I think with guys like Kawhi wasn't a very good shooter in college, and now he's like really good. So I think there's a certain like ceiling for guys, and you just know whether they're going to make that improvement or not. And I don't know if I don't think Roberson's one of those guys who's going to become a thirty nine percent three point shooter.
0: Yeah, so we. We've gone a while here on, on Westbrook, um, but I had had a few more things. Um, my big thing with him is, is that we attach we attach ourselves to these media narratives just because they just because they're cool and because they sound they sound fun, and the Westbrook one is the one that just like it's in my craw and it's just like this mountain that I want to die on. It's I, it's just. Um. It's not that we, It's not that people do it. It's just that it's so overwhelming. Did you just wink to oh. <laughs> And it's this whole idea, um, like because of like. Westbrook, he's like he's, he's come out and said it that like on court he's putting on a persona, that's not the person he is twenty four hours a day. He's even said off the court, I'm not like that at all. Right. And I just. <laughs> and I'm just like the born guy in the room, like they're like I get what people would think this is a dumb thing to say or to argue about, but just like I don't like that he's perceived like this because it because once you take it so far, it's like it's more about it's more about all these vines and all these tweets that get passed around like about how mad he is twenty four hours a day, and it's not just like, oh, I'm gonna watch how good he is at basketball,
1: right. And that that builds into his narrative and that affects people's opinions on him and the MVP race and everything, and they're taking that personally, you know?
0: Well, and yeah, just, like, like who he is off the court is, like, I wish we would focus more on that because, like, it's really interesting to me. Like, like how like he really this, is. Like, he's... He's, like, just this super, like, close-to-himself guy. Uh, he keeps, you know, he keeps his circle tight. We've heard about, you know, how he... Uh, when he trusts you, he's loyal, but then when, but then when he doesn't trust you, like, you're gone. Okay. And like, this he's like one of these big fat, like, these, one of the bigger, one of the first, like, one of the first guys to really get brought in this whole, like, NBA fashion. Mm-hmm. Like, how we pay so much attention to it at this point. Yep. Like, I feel like we could, like, like put more shine on that. And I think it's, I think it's more interesting to receive coverage of a guy who's like that, where there's, like, this extreme, of like he's this persona on the court. He's yelling, and screaming. He's hundred miles an hour. But then off the court, he's totally chill. He's relaxed. You know, he just goes home. He picks out outfits. You know, he's chills with his wife. Like yeah, I think that's a lot more interesting. And I want to read. I want to read from the G Q thing about him before the season, because we had, and this really kicked it off. Because we had going into the season, we had a big Kevin Durant Rolling Stone feature, and then we had this G Q <laughs> one. Right. But they Daniel Riley. Who wrote the piece got got to this thing got to this exact thing on russ uh i'll read i'll read a little bit here but what does it feel like to know that how people will perceive him even if he doesn't perceive himself that way and then quote from russ i just don't care a lot of people don't really know me all they know is what they see on tv so i don't mind it because i play basketball different than how i am off the court right when i'm on the court everybody thinks i'm angry and i'm mad i'm fine with that but that's why I think some people are confused until they see me off the court. They'll run into me and be like, oh, I thought you were going to be mad. <laughs> but why would I be mad? End quote. And then does this does the characterisa- characterization wear on him? For me, I feel like if they're talking about you, then you're doing something right. When they stop talking about you, then that's when you should worry. Yeah. I mean, that, that last sentence, it's just like I just want to scream it from a mountain. And... I don't know where do you, am I am I taking this too seriously? Am I onto something? But just like too too fixed
1: on it. No, yeah, I, like I see what you're saying. I think it's for the casual fan especially, and for, for media people who want to build a narrative. It's easier to sit there and just look at how he is on the the court and look how he's perceived in the court and take that as a gospel for how he is off the court as well. So I see what you're saying, and I think. A lot of guys, especially with the fashion stuff, because that's really, like, with no other league, it's really infected the NBA, like, post-game interviews and stuff. And the walk-in, every, every player has a camera on them walking in the court and they're being judged on what they wear and now and stuff. And that's something he really pushed. So he's definitely interesting. He's definitely, there's more more to him than just on the court. But I think it's easier for people to just take that character that he is on the court and just ride with that and say, oh, that's who Russ Westwick is. I wouldn't want to meet up with him in a dark alley, all this stuff, where he's probably this really nice guy, but that's no fun, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I just... I just, I don't feel like enough people read this. Yeah. that's. I mean, just... I want to read that last thing again. Like, But that's why I think some people are confused until they see me off the court. They'll run into me and be like, oh, I thought you were going to be mad, but why would I be mad? It's just like it's... (laughs) Yeah, that, I mean that was it was that was really well written and it it touched out, it went it went I mean it covered everything and it was awesome. Yeah. But last thing on two more things. Let's go quick here, and that's mainly on me. I need
1: to go quick. <laughs> We're good.
0: First, shout out to Billy Donovan. Yeah. I don't, I think like I think I think he's a pretty good NBA coach here in year two, and of course, like much of the story is still to be written. Mm-hmm. But. My thing with him is like and because and because like and I think this way because of all the talk about how much the team like the roster sucks. Like I th- I think he does a good job of like playing around with lineups and trying different guys. I mean the Sabonis uh, the Sabonis stuff has become a little divisive, especially with guys who are watching who are watching games on a regular basis, they're just not very good yet and that they're almost kinda of forcing it and that maybe they'd even be better off. Even before they got Taj, if they started someone else or played someone else more, right? I think that was a. a I think that was an alignment thing. You know, I which I talked earlier about Presty, like uh, really yeah, playing yeah, him yeah. up, and I think I think that was just like an organizational thing. When yeah, they, they sat could down, be. And they said we want some. You know, we want to. We want to give this guy a chance right now. We want to build, say good things. we gonna be. You know, we want to. We want to build his confidence up. So not all that bad. Right. And I, I think I, I think we'll see that going forward because I think in the off season we're going to get a classic like, you know, because Taj just Taj just started, uh, starting at the four. Mm-hmm. But I think we're really going to get hit over the head with the stat of like you know, how many games, um, I got the number right here. How many games has he started? He started sixty four games. Right. And I think I think that number was very important. At least up top, maybe not to Donovan, but they wanna now they're gonna go back and say you know he's a guy who started sixty four games from us. He's gonna grow in our culture, blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. But so outside of that, like as far as Donovan goes, like like you know what, like he's still like he's he's tried to salvage Kyle Singler. Mm-hmm. Like he's on their books. He's <laughs> on their books for two more full seasons. Yep. You know and like you know what like good for him for trying to do something get something out of that because how many guys are just parking on the bench. Yep. He,
1: um, he's handled this year really well, I think. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, he's, maybe, uh, I think some people wanted, were itching to see Alex Sabrinas more, more often than we did from the jump, but eventually we got some of him. He's shooting it pretty well. Um, I mentioned, like, the Depot thing, having him prop up the second unit. I think that's been important for them. For sure. And, like, we saw, we saw last year in the playoffs. Like, we saw, sometimes we saw him go mega big. Well, they made a big lineup with uh, Cantor, uh, Cantor and Adams even together sometimes, and then also, of course, the baccos in there. Right. And then they, and you can say it's not, it's not that hard to find, but look at where they ended up, where they basically had this, they had this death lineup that was beating the Warriors death lineup, mm-hmm. where you threw Dion, and Dion Waiters, like Dion Waiters, <laughs> in there. And it's, and like, that's one of those things that's like so hard to keep track of, but that lineup... Um, Kind of like those Pacers teams that challenged LeBron's heat. Like, that's one of those lineups that's just always going to stick in my head um, as just one of those short-term things we saw, but it was so fun Mm -hmm. that we just to have had it at all.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of that, it goes back to the start of last year where he was, like, brand-new coach. They lost Scott Brooks, who Westbrook and Durant were, like, big fans of. And he came in, and they kind of struggled through through that season like a lot of people forget that and it kind of took him but he wasn't afraid to experiment with the lineup especially the starting lineup so and then he kind of figured out like always having either Westbrook or Durant on the court at a time with the bench and so he's definitely he's definitely not afraid to do certain things and mess with certain lineups and get guys in there and I think that translated into this year being able to kind of experiment and now he's gotten like he was kind of they didn't really have a lot to do with the roster and moving pieces and now that they got McDermott and Taj, they get they get to work out and see what happens more. So yeah, I think he's done he's handled the season really well. And this would be a really tough season for a second year head coach, any second year head coach to handle. Just dealing with everything that happened this off season and now with Westbrook this whole year.
0: And the thing I've started to learn is like there's always a little wrinkle or a little layer that we that we don't always see or that we can't always discover until they give it to us like the yeah last year another one of those things that like it happened but some people wanted to happen sooner was durant and westbrook the staggering right and it finally happened but then it comes out where durant on his own just outright says like i like playing the first 12 minutes i like playing all the way through the first quarter and it's like oh you know like maybe like maybe kevin durant spoke up like when that when they tried to broach that before, yeah. And oh, that's what Kevin said. Okay, like let's just keep doing it. We're really good. Yeah. So we can afford it. And like the other thing was like Anthony Morrow, like, um, I was like I had these memories of like I don't know like a good season or a good stretch Anthony Morrow had five years ago. It's like oh, like yeah he's he's a good catch and shoot. Right. He has like that he has that quick release thing which Clay Thompson kind of has too. Where like you know, he catches it up here he just he'll shoot right away but like Anthony Morrow that's not who Anthony Morrow is anymore he just couldn't make shots which we found out
1: yeah cause he had that crazy summer league where he made like 90% of his threes or something crazy so yeah and then now you see it and it just doesn't translate to the Thunder team
0: yeah I just have memories of him in those old Nets New Jersey Nets jerseys too but yeah anyways good stuff there Ready to move on yeah Alright, last thing, let's go, let's say 30 30 to 45 seconds, we'll do our out-of-bounds.
1: I just wanted to bring something up really quick. Uh, This is something uh, Nick Wright talked about today on Colin Calvert's show. And it was uh, to do with playoffs. And he was saying, because the resting issue has kind of been like a big issue this year. I I guess kind of been a big issue, but big enough that Adam Silver felt he had to send a memo and everything. So, I just want to get your thoughts on it really quick. Nick Wright was saying that what they should do is basically whatever the series, the season series goes. So if Golden State beats the Spurs 2-1 to one in the season series, that's the team who gets home court advantage in the, the playoffs. And that way, even if you want to rest your guys, you wouldn't be doing it in the, the big games. You wouldn't, Warriors wouldn't rest against the Rockets, they wouldn't rest against the Spurs because those are the national T V games and those are the, t- the games that really affect the NBA when they rest. So I just wanted to see what your thoughts would be on that and if it shakes up the playoff format a little too much.
0: It's not a terrible idea, but I, I don't it doesn't the idea of it doesn't tempt me at all. Because like it's just it's so obvious that the schedule like the schedule's too long. Yeah. And I mean we still see like we still see that there's two sides. I mean Stan Van Gundy had some comments the other night kind of, I mean, make it pretty clear him his that he's on the side of like we <laughs> too soft today. Uh uh-huh. but I mean that's why that's why I think were we doing a shoot around? one of our last episodes I was um, I was just saying like I I don't really want to talk about it because it's just it's something that the league and the players association have to talk about. Mm-hmm. About shorting the schedule and whether it's actually gonna happen. And we had this new cba come and go and the biggest thing we got out of it was the over 30 over 36 is now the over 38 it's mm-hmm. like, okay chris paul lebron you guys won <laughs> like the schedule i mean it just kind of is what it is and i i don't know i mean i it's i mean this is really it's just about the fan you know yeah it's about the fan who had those tickets that lived in la the kid that really wanted to see lebron and kyrie kevin love it didn't get to do it I, I don't know, I mean, it just, it happens.
1: Yeah, you know. I don't, yeah, I'm with you, I think the whole controversy is kind of silly, but obviously the NBA thinks there's something, there's something there, so.
0: Actually, no, my answer is, if you could afford Laker tickets, you basically could just buy a League Pass for you. <laughs> True. So, like, yeah, again, if True. you want to see him in person, wait till the day of, you know, take advantage of Geek and all the stuff, you know. Yeah. If they sponsored us, I could plug a code right now. Right? <laughs> uh, All right. And, yeah, if you live in a non-L.A. market, bucks tickets, I don't know. Super cheap. Like five bucks. Super so like, cheap. Nothing, you know, it's not going to bother me if LeBron rests. Cool. All right, out of bounds. I think we're, this recently we'll be running back, as we and we'll try to develop more cool segments on yeah. these cool names. But out of bounds, non-basketball thing, we are watching, listening to something that we know the other hasn't isn't aware of because we know each other well enough that we know sometimes there's stuff that we're not we're not necessarily seeing and also it's just like it's so hard you, like you can't just keep up with everything yeah but i went first last time i believe so this time we're going short but you go ahead
1: okay cool um well this is the thing you've actually heard of it you actually asked me about it earlier but i think it's it's definitely worth watching uh, the Netflix Dave <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: knew, I knew you were gonna
1: this. The Netflix Dave Chappelle specials came out. Uh, Dave Chappelle is my favorite comedian in the whole world. I grew up on Chappelle Show. I was eight years old watching Chappelle Show, sneaking into my living room watching my dad's DVD set of the Chappelle Show. I was totally in love with him. I missed him while he was gone. I've been waiting for a stand-up special for like ten plus years. These two specials are hilarious. They're 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 basically in the same vein of his old stuff. I, I don't know if you've seen like his old specials, but he touches a lot on race and Dave Chappelle is such a good storyteller. Like he's he's so famous he's made so much money that he's just around so many weird and interesting situations because he takes like he's around these situations that none of us can relate to because Of his stature but he can make it so like personal and relatable just because he has such a like cynical view on everything but he's both the shows are hilarious one is in Hollywood and one is in uh, El Paso Texas so it's like two different worlds two different type of stand-up things two different perspectives but I was especially the El Paso one I was cracking up last night I think they're great they're a total step in direction it was well worth Netflix's 60 million dollars to pay him for these
0: we had sixty
1: million Sixty million off of three specials. These were the first two, so yeah.
0: Do we know when the third one's coming?
1: No, I don't think they've no. released it yet.
0: Um, yeah. I knew you're gonna. I knew you're gonna say this, <laughs> and I wanted to think of like a clever way to be like fake mad. Because <laughs> of course I'm gonna watch. Um, I added to my what's it called Netflix Q. list. Yeah, your Q. Is it called the Q? Yeah. Yeah, I added to my list. Uh but last night I was catching up on John Oliver. Oh okay. And I mean, like I Amazing. I had like four episodes sitting, so like it meant like a lot of the stuff is like yeah. it's covering the news, so like I gotta keep up on it. So. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh this weekend I'm gonna give about this is gonna be what I'm going to watch. Uh this weekend I'm going to watch the women's college basketball tournament. Ew. Uh the men the men's tournament I didn't. I don't have a ton of rooting interest. I'm. I'm kind of jaded because SDSU hasn't made it for two years now. Mm-hmm. So like I have just like this. I have like this hole in my heart where like I just want to ignore it. And be mad. <laughs> um, Buzz Williams is doing is doing studio work, uh, so I'll watch that just for Buzz. But I'm not too in love with any of the games, so I'm gonna watch the women's side. Um, of course, UConn playing. They're playing UCLA. That'll be on my radar. I mean, all the all the one through threes are right. still in it. So a lot of chalk to watch. Um, but now that it's Sweet Sixteen, I'm probably gonna be able to bounce around all the games pretty well. So I want to you know like everyone's trying to see like who's gonna challenge UConn. So I'm gonna try to bounce around those games and and kind of dive better. Dive better into the women's game, cause I love I love the people that combat people on Twitter who say women's basketball sucks, um, but gotta got you know gotta start gotta start somewhere walking the walk myself or you know actually paying attention to it, um, to right. where you can be in that same position too.
1: Yeah, and I th- I think we're like two random outliers, cause like I love WNBA basketball and like you're really into just the whole women's basketball thing so it's like we're, I think we're definitely in the minority there and I think a fun thing about the college basketball thing is that UConn is like like w, like NCAA women's basketball has a villain like UConn is like the big giant and everybody else is trying to take them down so like that's it's those games are exciting to watch and to see those girls compete and everything is really fun and interesting whereas like the men's side, every it's just a free-for-all, like, everybody's going at it. So, yeah, it's just different perspectives on what you're trying to see.
0: Yeah, and those games, okay, here's my, I didn't have a, I did a rant last week. I did a really dumb rant, <laughs> but I didn't think of one that I really wanted to do, but that just brought me to one. The women's tournament is on the ESPN Family Networks. The men's tournament is, of course, on CBS. Right. I don't remember if it was this year, or one of the more recent ones, but um, like there's that March Madness app where you can watch the men's games on those networks if you're a TV subscriber. And at least as recently as a couple years ago, you used to be able to watch full game replays. Uh-huh. And I, I absolutely love that, that they introduced that, but it's not there anymore. I haven't done the oh, yeah. research to see why, uh, which I probably should have done, but probably that really been. bugs me about it. Because I, I'm like a sit-down-and-watch-one-game kind of guy. But now ESPN, like, shout-out to these being on ESPN because with Watch ESPN, go back, watch full games.
1: Right. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. NCAA, they got to get that feature back. That was so clutch, but I
1: don't know. It's probably some money thing.
0: I don't know. Maybe. They should get it back, though. I think that's it. Oh, you talked about, uh, you talked about like in WNBA. Funny enough, we started, uh, we liked the name Free Basketball Podcast, but I, I decided we go Free NBA Podcast because we are mostly talking NBA. Yeah. A little bit because Free Basketball Podcast is too long to be a handle on some <laughs> sites, and I just wanted to have that across the board. But then also, I thought, we can run with this, and I know we both watch WNBA, so hopefully this summer, maybe coming soon. Yeah. Free WNBA podcast. Ew. Because it's, it's just, it's too perfect. Like the schedules line up where you can catch a lot of it in the summer when there's not a lot going there on. There's an NBA action going on, yeah. Yeah. So, uh,
1: and it's like an untouched source, I feel like. Like it's not a lot of focus on WNBA season, so this will be perfect.
0: Yeah. I wanna make like a I wanna make like a Brandon Wardell themed joke about like being in a boardroom and market opportunity, but.
1: real respecting women hours out here.
0: Alright, I think that's it. We're done here. Free NBA podcast. We're here on YouTube, also SoundCloud and iTunes. We'll put this audio up, but also we have our daily show. Five minutes, catch you up on everything that happened that day in the NBA. Um, we call that our OT, our overtimes. Uh, let you get in, get out, and then get on with your day. Other than that, we'll be back soon. Check back for more shoot-arounds too, where we go longer like this. Uh, we'll be saying bye some, bye to some more teams not making it, and then we'll be here through the playoffs. But I don't know. Do we got we got to get our <laughs> we got to get our Billy thumbnail?
1: Classic thumbnail picture.
0: Shout out to our favorite javelin is <laughs> javelin thrower. <coughs> but uh, other than that, yeah. right here, all right. Yeah.